Hello, Hierarch, and welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Exodus. And just a word about the transition as we move from chapter 20 to 23. The intervening section is filled with a number of instructions from Moses. And something we didn't cover was that in the Ten Commandments, God was speaking directly to the people, and they were terrified. And so they asked Moses to please make God stop doing that. They would die if God keeps talking to them. They were filled with terror. And Moses said, well, no, God, God is trying to put this reverence, this fear in your hearts to help keep you from sin. But they said, no, 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 we're going to die if this happens. And so they begged Moses to be a mediator. And so this intervening section is all these instructions where, where Moses is explaining to them the instructions of God. And we come to a particular section that I think is really worth exploring a little more deeply. We're in chapter 23 verses one through nine, where we read this. You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on a witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. And do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. In a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Be sure, to ne be sure never to charge anyone falsely with evil. Never sentence an innocent or blameless person to death, for I never declare a guilty person to be innocent. Take no bribes, for a bribe makes you ignore something that you clearly see. A bribe makes even a righteous person twist the truth. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's... You know, there were other written laws at the time. Uh, probably the most famous is the Code of Hammurabi. But um, there's some in interesting and unique elements to uh, the law of Moses. The law of God is expressed in the writing of Moses. Uh, one of them that we see here is this concern for the weak, um, whether that's foreigners or in other passages, the widows and orphans, or as is expressed here as well, the poor. There's this concern for the weak, those who don't have the social status to protect themselves. And, and, and kind of related to that is the second concern, that there's a concern for equal justice, that you not be swayed by social pressure or money or someone's status. And, and if you think about this, this might seem intuitive to us that, of course, everyone should be treated equally under the law. But if you look at the history of the human race, this is not an intuitive idea. In fact, it's anything but. It's the most counterintuitive idea, perhaps, that there is. Like the idea that a, noble, a nobleman and a servant should both have to follow the same laws and receive the same punishment for breaking that law. That is something that has very seldom, and, and I don't think before this writing, had ever been codified into law. This is uh, unique and, and original in, in the history of humanity. But the idea of everyone uh, being equal under the law is, is really hard to do. And it's something that uh, we have kind of enshrined into our own law today and yet still find incredibly uh, difficult to follow. And I think the basis for this equal digni dignity under the law, the equal protection under the law, is simply that all of us have the same foundation of dignity, that we are created, each of us, in the image of God. And so we have equal right to fairness, equal right to, to justice. And I think 
you know, we've come a long way, but we, we've got a long way to go in our present society. You know, it's, it's enshrined in our law that everyone should be treated equally, but it's hard to not pick up a newspaper or if people even read newspapers anymore or <laughs> watch the news and, and to not see where judges and juries have trouble applying the law equally across race and gender and, and social status. So uh, all that said, uh, I see this section also being bracketed by two ideas. Uh, one verse we didn't read, the end of the previous chapter says that you must be my holy people. So there's this idea that one of the reasons we need to do these things is because we, we represent God. We are God's people. And so we, God is a holy God. We need to be holy as well. So there's this principle of holiness. And then the second part is the, the end of this passage where it says that you were also once foreigners in, in Egypt. And so and you were not just foreigners, but you were poor and you were slaves and you were the people who would be denied justice, right? So you know what it's like to live under these conditions. So you should have some empathy and care for those who are also under those same conditions. And, and I see in this, uh, there's a kind of this idea that, that one, there's this holiness of God, but oftentimes, you know, holiness without empathy and love um, comes across like the the kind of sterile or even toxic kind of holiness that, for instance, the Pharisee enemies of uh, Jesus seem to have, where they, they they knew the laws, they were very aware of the laws, but they had difficulty in, in applying them, the spirit of those laws, because they did not have love for other uh, people in their hearts. And, and by extension, you could probably argue that they also therefore did not have love uh, for God. And so I, I see this very much as the call that we um, that Moses is expressing for God to the people here that we need to have these concerns because this is how we live out the very thing that God has extended to us, this kind of love and mercy that he wants us to extend to others as well. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see here in this passage. Uh, you know, you've covered it well. I, I think that the one thing that's really sticking out to me and just I keep coming coming back to as you were reading it, um, I think I was expecting, you know, you just, you it, it feels... Uh, in tune with the moment, our, our current moment, um, that in verse six, in a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor. Well, absolutely. And I think this these days we would add, you know, we would sort of amplify poor to anybody who experiences any kind of marginalization, victimization, whatever, you know, and we uh, could fill in a lot of different attributes there. Um, but, but then I think the part that's more surprising uh, especially given the culture of our current age, is verse three. Do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. Hmm. And so that I think that it, my sense is these days, uh, in fact, in, in, in many different places, including our justice system, but many other places, I think right now we are in, in a sense to, um, uh, in an attempt to rectify a one kind of injustice that existed in the past, we're just having a different kind of injustice today. Uh, and, and in fact, neither of those is justice, right? They're both injustice. And, and while we say, oh, it's just trying to balance the scales, I think what it actually does is just perpetuates the antagonism. Uh, yeah. It perpetuates the divisions. Uh, it, 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 it keeps us divided from one another. And, and I think that there is this ideal of a, a justice system that really treats people without regard for their social status. Um, I think that, that, uh, that we do, we, we think, and I think, again, this is a perversion. I think we think it's justice 
to to be in unjust in a way that we think is somehow morally superior. But I actually I think this passage, and I think it's true, would say no that that is that is not neither kind of injustice is acceptable. No injustice is acceptable. Uh, and I think that that actually is probably the, the verse, interestingly in here, that I find the most challenging. It's not that we've done a good job, goodness knows. In verse six, so I, you must not deny justice to the poor. That has been, and I think in some, you know, in probably in every culture and every age, it's been true. Surely in our, in our culture and age, it's been true. that For, for many years, the, the, the poor, and still in many cases, the poor are denied justice. Uh, so that happens all the time. That injustice still exists. But I don't think the way to solve that is another kind of injustice against other people who fit into categories. Because all we're doing then is categorizing people and treating them one way because they fit into a particular group. Our, our attempts to find justice where there is injustice have so oftentimes just resulted in more injustice. And and I, I you know I just I think it's so difficult uh, to do because I think I think we can be tempted to you know favor the rich especially if that might help us right that's really the spirit of taking a bribe somehow I'm going to benefit or to favor the poor uh, just you know because our heart goes out or we feel you know we're trying to rectify something um, and and then I, I just would finally say I think right now in cancel culture. Right, where, where just people are so harsh with each other, so condemning and so quick to draw lines and, and, and call people out. Um, I do think there's a very strong tendency, verse two, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. And I, you know, I think that we could you know, kind of talk to the, uh, the easy examples of the people on the extreme right and the people on the extreme left right now in our, our society who are following the crowd, right, and doing wrong, uh, and, you know, these echo chambers on social media. Uh, but I think that so many, like all of us need these days, because we're constantly being assaulted by these ideologies and these narratives that are, are not entirely true, uh, and yet they're so persuasive and there's, they appeal to something in us, you know, wanting to be on the right side and be able to call out the wrongdoer. Uh, there's, they appeal to something in us. And so we actually cooperate and we think, we think we're doing right when in fact we're doing harm. And I see that on the right and on the left. And so, uh, but I think that, that that commandment, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. Just because everybody else is, is you know calling for this or condemning that person? The fact that we so quickly fall in and agree, uh, you know whether you know it's Kavanaugh or Kanye or 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 you know let's go Brandon. I mean it's just it's so easy to join a crowd and say good we'll hate them too, and I, that's exactly what I think is being called out in this passage. Hmm. I, I think it's it's such a, a complex issue, and then too we live in a a market-based economy and not that I have any better ideas about how to, you know, distribute goods and services and all of that, but even like this idea of, um, you know, bribes, it doesn't have to even be just bribes, right? It's not just bribes that are going to color your view. Like if you're sponsored by somebody or you're working for somebody, um, it's that influences how you see things and, and money talks in, in a, in a society where there is so much money, freely flowing, at least within certain channels, it's very difficult to balance out the viewpoints, uh, the, the other viewpoints that might be there that don't have as much 
market backing, but you know, interests of shareholders trump all other concerns sometimes. Hmm. Well, and and I think maybe then just like even looking at verse seven, be sure to never charge anyone falsely with evil. In our age, it is so easy because we just got this bandwagging thing, and and uh, you know, one media outlet starts condemning a particular you know politician or celebrity, and everybody starts piling on. And there is that sense of, oh, yeah, they're the bad one. They're the problem. And I, we love to do that. And it's so easy to call them out as evil. Without doing that work of being able to go, hold it, maybe I'm one of the bad ones. right? Maybe, maybe I'm the one who's actually doing some evil. And, of course, it's always true. Right? That, you know, the, the social needs in line, right, the, the, uh, the dividing line between good and evil runs not between, you know, nations or men or, you know, all the other different things. Uh, you know, political parties, he'd say today, it, it runs kind of right down the middle of every human heart, right? And I think it's it's easier to point the problem at somebody else so that I can avoid the responsibility for noticing, oh, yeah, it's me too. Hmm. Yeah, just like G.K. Chesterton's answer to the question, what's wrong with the world? And his answer was me. 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 Yeah, amen. Well, John, me, would you uh, close the prayer today? Yeah, I, I would. I was going to say I'd love to, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy to. <laughs> oh, our good and gracious God, um, justice is such an important thing, such a big thing. And it's so easy, I'll confess, it's so easy for me to feel overwhelmed and feel paralyzed in, in, in what to do and where to put my energies. And Lord, I pray that through your spirit, you would give each of us clarity, that as a church, you would give us clarity, as, uh, as the church, you would give us clarity, help us to understand how we can live out your call to justice, Lord, to equally value the dignity of all people, to not be swayed by what's in it for us, but Lord, instead to be genuinely concerned for the good of people and the the truth of your, well, your grace and truth that you offer to the world. Lord, help us to live that way in our personal lives and more and more as a society. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us. Hope we're hope you're enjoying this uh, uh, walk through Exodus with us. You know, this Sunday we start a new sermon series. I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're going to be doing the Apostles' Creed, and I actually get to, to preach the first three sermons in a row, which is sort of something I haven't done in a long time. But I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope that you can join us for that as well. Otherwise, we'll see you here again on Monday as we continue studying the Book of Exodus. <laughs>